everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 121, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Joining us as always, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? What's up, guys? Hey! What's going zombies. on? And zombies! Zombies! <laughs> uh, and Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. Seth, what's up? What's going on, guys? What's going on? And Chaz, joining you as always, uh, all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering, focusing on the financial aspect of the game. So, on the docket, Pro Tours in the books. We got a lot to talk about, so that's basically going to be most of the podcast. And then we have some fish mail to discuss. A lot of different things going on for Pro Tour. We're kind of going to talk about uh, a few different points of interest within the Pro Tour. Uh, so let's just start right away. Uh, what did you both think of the Pro Tour? What did you think of the pacing and just the coverage? Let's start there. Richard? It was quite enjoyable. Uh, it, it was a little scary at one point because we could have had uh, Marvel mirrors throughout the top eight because it was basically Marvel versus some other deck in the first rounds. But uh, in the end, Mono Black Zombies took it down and uh, that's a win for everyone, I think. <laughs> Every casual lover of Magic. Finally, a Tier 1 tribal deck uh, playing all of the zombie cards we wanted to play from Shadows Block, but never had the support until Omnicat came out. Pro Tour itself, pretty interesting. All of the matches, I think, they managed to find interesting matches throughout uh, all of the rounds. Uh, the limited par- portion was very entertaining. So I actually thought it was a pretty good Pro Tour all around in terms of uh, viewing. Well said. Seth, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, overall, I was very impressed with the job Wizards did. Like, one, the biggest thing for me is uh, going into it, Mardu was like more than a quarter of the field, 26% or something. And I think we saw Mardu one time on a backup feature match. So it seemed like Wizards, and, and that's partly because Mardu didn't do great, but Wizards really went out of their way to try to break up the matchups and show different things. And I was really happy with that. And yeah, there could have been more off the wall, crazy decks, but they fo- they did focus on the ones that were there. We saw new perspectives. We saw cryptolithrites. So we saw most of the unique decks and there just wasn't a ton to work with. It wasn't one of the pro tours where uh, all the teams came to different conclusions. Most of them landed on zombies or on some sort of Marvel deck or Mardu was the default. So for within the constraints of the decks that showed up to the tournament, I thought Wizards did a really good job of breaking it up and making coverage be entertaining. So I was super happy about that aspect. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I mean, we had pretty much everything on the checklist that we've talked about on the podcast, you know, numerous times before. We've talked through so many Pro Tours at this point. Uh, they, You get a sense of where they were. I liked uh, a lot of the different cutaways in between. The, you know, you had uh, some highlights of cosplayers. You had highlights of, like, teams. You had highlights of, like, just pretty much everything. And you got a sense of, wow, they're actually, like, somewhere and not just in some you know, random place inside of a venue. So that was really well done. Uh, we got probably, like, one of the two greatest <laughs> memes, <laughs> I think, in a long time. Uh, you had me laughing so hard for, like, almost all of yesterday, Seth, uh, <laughs> with the, with the, pulling those those memes out uh, with uh, Brian David Marshall. So shout-out to Brian David Marshall. Uh, congrats to Jerry Thompson. I think it was an overall great uh, pro tour. And, and it's exactly like you said. Yes, it was a lot of teamer or a lot of Aetherworks, rather, but you got to see all the different flavors of Aetherworks. You got to see zombies. They, so they really focus on what was doing well. They cut to some of the decks like early on that was kind of off the wall. And even later on, you got to see like the Cryptolith right, uh, decks and, and stuff like that. And obviously, LSV on coverage is great. I think it was overall really well done. So, uh, moving along, <laughs> you wrote a by the numbers, Seth, uh, like you normally do. Uh, for every pro tour uh, is actually you, you weren't the only one to write it this time. We were just talking about this before the podcast that Frank Carson put out a lot of information. And if anyone didn't read those really, uh, really great articles uh, covering a lot of the different matchups, the percentages breaks down a lot of different things. Uh, but what did you come away with uh, with your article, Seth? 
well, first, like just to piggyback on what you said, thank you, Wizards, for actually like putting out data. It was awesome. They never done that before uh, with a pro tour. It was only a couple years ago. We didn't even get like conversion rates from decks, but now they're printing like some amount of matchup data and really in depth stuff. So that was awesome. As far as uh, my article, it was more like analyzing Wizards numbers than computing the numbers since Wizards did a lot of the heavy lifting. And I mean, when it, come down, it came right down to it, it was kind of how it looked on screen. Marvel was very good. And that was especially impressive considering it seemed like a lot of teams didn't even get to the right Marvel deck. Uh, the one with Chandra Flamecaller was insane. The spell heavy version, which we saw in the top eight, was also very good. But most people just played kind of the default, pulled it from Magic Online version. And that version was less good. Zombies was also fairly solid. It had uh, pretty much equal matchups across the board, slightly positive in some, and kind of a toss-up with Marvel. And the big news was that stock Mardu wasn't very good and apparently has a really hard time with Etherworks Marvel decks. There was a normal Mardu vehicles deck and then also a version splashing blue. And both of those had not very good weekends and kind of just got killed by Marvel, winning like 30, 40% of time depending on the build so uh, pretty interesting stuff but it really was the story of the tournament was Etherworks Marvel decks and zombie decks like those were the only two decks that really came out of the tournament with great weekends Richard weigh in so I actually want to get your guys opinions on this so I was surprised that Wizards posted the matchup percentages. So the conversion rates is, you know, is public information because uh, we used to compute them ourselves. But Wizards actually blocked matchup data a while back. So this is the data that says, you know, mono black zombies has a 40% win rate against Marvel. And I was actually quite shocked. I was talking to Seth when this happened that they posted this. And in my opinion, I think it takes away from it. I, I think I'm on the train of less data now, as weird as that sounds, because what happened was I saw, oh, you know, Mono Black Zombies is so cool, looked at the win percentages, and it's like, okay, it crushes Mardu vehicles, goes even against everything else, and loses to uh, Etherworks Marvel. And then once I read that, I was suddenly, like, a lot less excited to play the deck, and that kind of just put a damper on things. So I think it would have been just better if they didn't release this data and let people go and explore. So... Are you guys on the camp of matchup data or no matchup data? Should Wizards actually be posting this stuff? Well, I'll weigh in because I know my thoughts. And I think that not only did they, not only should they publish what they published, but they could have went more in depth and I would have been happy. Like they only focused on kind of the top three decks as far as matchup data. I would have liked to see even more in depth data. And I think that. I feel like data evens the playing field. I feel like on a tournament level, pros have a huge advantage because they can take uh, two weeks off of work and test and test and test and generate their own data. And I feel like having this type of information is helpful for the less enfranchised pro players or the grinders who are trying to get there or even like FNM level players that want to know what's going on. So I'm definitely pro data all the way. Yeah, I'm kind of in between Richard and you, Seth. Uh, I, I did appreciate the data. Uh, I'm sure it could have went a lot deeper, but I, I think that was a fairly good start and, and you know useful in and of itself uh, for most players to look at and kind of digest and, and kind of know what they're in for. But I'm with Richard. I mean, maybe this is just, you know, the older player in me that's played the game for a long time, but um, I do appreciate a little bit of exploring, too. Like, I don't... At the same time, I don't want everything handed to me, and I don't. I, I do want to play the game to kind of figure things out on my own as well. But I mean, I think in this day and age, it's just it, it's just like you kind of have to do it uh, because back then, I mean, information was just not at everyone's fingertips like it is now. And I can see the point that you're you're you, you brought up, Seth, that you know people are going to be at a disadvantage, and I, I don't think that's fair either. But um, I'm still going to be somewhere in between there. Yeah, I thought it was just weird because it's inconsistent with what. Wizards was trying to do uh, for Ixalan, they moved the Pro Tour back so that you know the format gets quote unquote solved uh, less quickly. But then this Pro Tour, they kind of just like threw the numbers out there, accelerating the uh, solving of the format. So it's just really weird. 
And I don't know what to make of it. Like, again, I, I agree with Seth. I like the data. Obviously, MDG Goldfish is like a data-driven website. But at the same time, I know a lot of the problems we have with the game is due to accelerated information. One of the reasons we all love kind of the formats of yesteryear was because there was no data back then, you didn't know how bad your deck really was. And you actually got to explore and brew. And I think we've lost some of that with today's, you know, as soon as someone plays something two seconds later, it's on the internet, you know, five minutes later, everyone has the deck list. And an hour later, like the deck has been refined. So it's a trade-off. And it's just interesting to me that Wizards decided to do this. And it'll be interesting to see if they do this for the next Pro Tour as well. The other thing I just want to mention real quick is that maybe they view it as okay because when it comes right down to it, the sample size is still really small. This gives you an interesting snapshot of the tournament, but like the biggest, most played deck at the tournament, stock Mardu mid-range or Mardu vehicles was under 500 total matches, which is a, a decent amount, but compared to like when we were doing some of our data analysis stuff and looking at uh, tens of thousands of matches like there's you can't put a whole lot of meaning in this it there's just not a lot enough to like equal out for uh player skill level and some of the variance that's involved in it so i think it's more like novelty data than something you can really hang your head on too much because of the sample sizes yep that's a good point yep it, it kind of kind of goes back to what Richard was saying is that they they kind of print these numbers they don't want the format completely solved as much as they can control uh they're they're kind of controlling when they put out the numbers how they put out the numbers but you're exactly right Seth I mean at least 60 so let's just call it a little bit more than 60 is nowhere near uh some of the data that was being produced uh you know outside of Wizards so they're kind of like well here you go we're going to give you everything from the pro tour it's not like 100% you know, it's not 100% going to be beneficial to everybody because, I mean, some of these less than 60 matches, I mean, what does that really tell you at the end of the day? Not much. But um, I think this is all part of their, I guess, ongoing uh, dedication to not solve formats too quickly because I, I, I do expect the, the meta can still shift from here. And, and they kind of are re reinforcing that a little bit at least. Well, what do you guys think of the meta going forward? I suspect that we will not see Marvel versus Zombies the entire time because it, it appears that both decks can be handled. I mean, Marvel disappeared for quite a while as copycat reigns supreme. So I think Marvel can be dealt with, you know, ceremonious rejection, uh, even a threatened effect, like playing Ulamog and then just threaten it and then take it and kill them. Like, I, I think there's a lot of counterplay to these decks. So what do you guys think about the metagame going forward? Yeah, I'm with you, Richard. Um, Marvel while very strong, I, I think it, it's kind of odd because it, it kind of felt like people knew it was going to be at the Pro Tour but didn't really have anything to... They kind of just jumped on the Marvel plan instead of trying to trying to beat it, which I guess happens in Pro Tours. But, you know, as... Well, we're going to have, what, two big GPs and an SCG this weekend? I, I do think it will continue to be like that for a little bit but then change at least a little bit before we go into Hour of Devastation because you're absolutely right. I, I just... I do think these blue red control lists are going to get a little bit better. They're going to now they actually know what they're going to be playing against. They're going to have like actual good answers against Marvel, so they don't just slam Marvel on turn four uh, with no like answer at all. Uh, so I do think we'll see kind of a maybe three or four deck, like three or four main decks that are just kind of in and out of favor. Yeah, I mean the meta is okay. It's better. It's better than it would have been. <laughs> like, I definitely a hundred times better than if Copycat was in the format. That would have been a disastrous pro tour. So I think it's much better than that. Right now, it looks like we have three decks essentially in the format. Um, whether we can see a, a, I don't know, we we can debate this, but a true control deck, let's say, whether or not you count uh, the Team <laughs> Aetherworks decks as control or not. Oh or <laughs> it's a control deck. <laughs> We're, uh, we're doing it right here, Seth. It's a control deck. It, uh, you just build as 100% a control deck. Uh, I I feel like every deck in standard and has been for a few years is a, is a mid-range deck. deck. You can put like yeah. control after some of them, aggro after some of them, mid-range, mid-range after some of them. But I think they're all mid-range decks to some extent. 
that's my feeling. Even, yeah, to what I, I think so, so what I, do you consider a control deck then? Like 100% draw, go, I kill you with my milling land, Napoleon that's, Drown Yard? That's is that I'm the used only to. control that's acceptable? Four I Sarah mean, Angel, you know. Probably something there. that's not playing Rogue Refiner and Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot. <laughs> but that's the same as playing Wall of Omens, right? Like, that's oh. the same as playing Timely Reinforcement. It's, they're just creatures yeah, that draw yeah. you a card, get you some resources, and block. You know, it's like Kitchen Finks. Right, it's, that is a very good comparison, but I and, I, I could buy that Marvel. Like, those... Look at this main deck: four four glimmer of genius, three sensors, four harness lightnings, a negate. Like you tell me, a mid range deck plays like a main deck negate Kozlek's return. Like it, it just plays like a control deck, except its finisher is a combo, as I, opposed yeah. to a single card finisher. I think maybe I could buy. Yeah, Temple like even that. I might go that far. No, like I don't Even know. So when deck. you when you see a stand when you want to see a standard control deck, what are you looking for? Like four Snapcaster Mage finishers? Like I'm gonna beat I, you with the two one ambush viper to finish I, you off. I think what I can't wrap my head around is if we're gonna call this a control deck, to me, a control deck's primary plan isn't to have your opponent scoop up the game on turn four. Like you can't those two things can't go together. Like turn four wins and control deck, those I don't know. That seems weird to me that your 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 control deck is trying to show and tell Ulamog on turn four. What, if you, what about if a turn like, six win? Is turn six too early? <sighs> because that's Titan range, right? And and even after you Titan, you don't win. Like you Titan, but even after you Marvel, you don't win. But you're just severely ahead, right? <laughs> I, I I think Richard kind of brought this up. It's like miracles. I, I think I mean, that was a great comparison, and that's you, like playing absurd stuff on like turn like really early, even before turn four. Yeah. To me, or this guess, is like. Do you consider Splinter Twin a tempo deck or a combo deck? I guess that's I mean, the real question, right? I mean, to me, this is this is standard show and tell. Like that's that's exactly okay. how I view this deck. It's exactly like legacy show and tell. Like, yeah, you have some force of wills. Yeah, you might like counter some of your opponent's <laughs> stuff, but your your plan is to cheat something big into play as soon as possible and end the game. Like, I, I disagree. I show show and tell. Your counter spells are there to protect your combo, mm. as opposed to you know disrupting the other person. Whereas here, all of your counter spells and all of your other spells are to keep you alive until you win. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at Nick Cummings' list, <clears throat> I can see what Richard's talking about. I mean, you're playing Four Sensor, Pull from Tomorrow, Fumigate, Nissa's Renewal, Cast Out, Aether Meltdown. Like, that's that's pretty much a control deck. Uh, well, that's the Bant list, and that one is kind of yeah. controlling. But <laughs> That one's yeah. like the control deck. Yeah. Well, I, the one I'm talking about mainly is Yuya's, which we saw a lot of. Yeah. And that's also a control deck. And there, there are some, like, all-in Marvel decks where... They're literally just ignoring what the other person is doing and trying to get the most consistent, you know, turn three or four Marvel plus Ulamog hit. So those are combo decks. But these other ones are just control decks that casually win with uh, Marvel. So, yeah. so, all right, like, uh, control or not control, let me ask you another Marvel question while we're on the topic. Sure. Are, are you both accepting of the level of variance marvel brings into a magic game do you like having cards that are like hey on turn four i win the game or something nothing happens like it feels like hearthstone to me to some extent where you have these cards <laughs> that are like they're either yeah. super bad or they're game breaking depending on a flip of the coin and marvel kind of feels like that is that a good or a bad thing for magic as a game those type of cards I mean, isn't that what the game's kind of based on? Uh, this this kind of huge variance? Like, I don't want it to be a legit coin flip because it's... I just don't think that's good for viewing. And I, I do agree. It kind of gets into that Hearthstone realm where it's like, oh, if I drop my... I don't know. I'm just using a card. Uh, the Yog saron and I just play all these... And this it just casts, like, a million awful cards. Like, I guess I lose. And if it casts a million awful good or good cards, I win. Um, I don't know if that was super viable, so don't don't quote me on that. But just using that as an example. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, like I would I would legit see them play an Ulamog, and it wouldn't do anything, even if they they played it early enough. I mean, it's not going to do much when they had like seven or eight or nine zombie tokens plus you know Crit Breaker and something like that. And with a Liliana's Mastery, it's like okay, you remove a couple things. Like I still have like ten creatures or something like that. Like you can't block everything. So I don't know. I mean, 
I just don't think there's anything to challenge that. I mean, it, it wouldn't seem as good if there was legit, like, turn four aggressive decks. Like, if you handed me, and while I love the zombie list, I actually really love the zombie deck. If you're like, here you go, here's your aggro deck that you, you, you really just want to, like, kind of win on, like, turn 20. I'm like, what? You know, like, where's the, where's the turn four, five curve out you lose? Like, that's, that's almost just, like, kind of as variant as losing to Marvel, isn't it, Seth? Like, you've lost to plenty of aggro decks that are just looking to win on turn four. I mean, I've, I've done it. I bring up Hellrider again. I, I, I hate... Uh, it's almost like every cast I bring it up, but Hellrider, it was like a marvel. It's like you lose on turn four. Yeah, I, I think Chaz hit it right there. It's just this variance is really in your face. But in general, Magic has a ton of variance. Is, you know, your opponent hitting a turn four Ulamog any worse than you mulling to five and losing on the spot? You know, is it any worse than your opponent playing mono red and getting the nut draw and killing you with Hellrider before you've even done anything? It's just another form of variance. And I don't know that it's that bad because if you say variance is bad, then here, have copycat. There's no variance, you win, right? And we said, well, that's bad. And if you're saying, oh, you know, if you don't want variance in your win con, then you're basically saying combo has to go, right? Like no combo in standard. So I, I understand it feels bad, but I, I think this is part of magic. And I, I think it's cool we have a combo deck and there's just all kinds of variants you can't control and this one is just more in your face you know yeah. the fact you get to flip six cards but how many times have we seen collected company flip and hit zero right or you know you you hit two five powered creatures or you hit two mana dorks it's kind of the same thing right or you know is it any different than just not drawing lands you know keeping a two lander and not drawing lands and dying it's like there's just so much variance in magic i don't think it makes a big difference it just makes for more exciting in-your-face variants, which uh, is similar to Hearthstone, but I, I don't know that it's any worse or better for Magic. I think Richard kind of hit it on the head there. Um, it, it's really kind of in-your-face, and it's literally the coin flip, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't feel as bad when an when aggressive list is kind of curving out because that's what they're trying to do, right? Like, when you see that, you're not like, ah, what, what was that deck in, in cons? Actually, it was, it's a great example. Um with uh, oh, it was like a Teamer Battle Rage. I mean, well, that, that was that was pretty much a combo deck, but it was an aggressive deck, so no one really cared about that. I mean, yeah, it felt bad to lose on turn four when they Teamer Battle Rage and and do all this crazy stuff with Delve, but it's literally no different. I think. Well, I mean, for one thing, it kind of does add variance because you still have the mold of four, even with Marvel. So there's kind of like two levels of variance in in this situation. But for me, I've talked a little bit about how I get on Hearthstone kicks for like a week every few months and then don't play Hearthstone again. And usually what makes me stop playing Hearthstone and what gets me off the kick is I get into a situation where I feel like I play well, feel like I'm probably outplaying my opponent, let's say. And I have a card that says deal between three and six damage. And I <laughs> and I cast it at my opponent's threat. And if it deals four or more damage, I win the game. If it doesn't, I lose the game. And it literally is just like a coin, like a, a coin flip is what it comes down to. And that's how Marvel feels to me is like the same. We saw that and Chaz was even kind of describing that. Like, yeah, you can overwhelm Marvel with a bunch of zombies. It's really sweet when it happens, but you don't have eight zombies on the board when they just turn for an Ulamog like that. It's the coin flip and that's what it comes down to. So I don't know for me yeah. personally, that kind of turns me off to some extent, the just the extreme in your face win or lose based on the flip of a coin aspect of Marvel. Yeah, I'll tell well, you personally. What, I, oh, go ahead, Richard. Go ahead. Personally, I'm I'm with you, right? That's why I play Jund. You know, the fifty fiftieth fifty fifty deck where you don't have bad matchups. There are minimal coin flips, and older formats like Legacy and Modern and stuff where you do have cards like Brainstorm and Ponder to give you consistency. So this doesn't happen. But having said that, this is a feature of magic, right? The whole point is I can sit down, play LSV, who is like a million times better than me, and still walk away with 30% win rate or something, right? Like 40% maybe, right? Because he will get mana screwed and I will kill him. I will turn for Marvel, spin, and win sometimes. And that lets me beat LSV because otherwise I could not beat him. And I think that is a feature of magic. So... I mean, we, we play a game with variance. It's kind of built in there. And, you know, if you don't like the variance, then don't 
don't build the Marvel decks, right? Like that's <laughs> that's the whole point of Magic, right? You can build yeah. your deck with as much or as little variance, uh, you know, as you're comfortable with, which is one of the appeals of Magic as well. We're talking about variance, and then you know, I, I'm actually kind of in the same. That's kind of why I don't really play Hearthstone as much as I do anyway, Seth, as well. Because, I mean, I just remember all the times where you would just get the, uh, I don't know what it is, the Shredder, whatever. And basically, whatever <laughs> creature, like, it dies, you can get, like, an amazing creature or the worst creature. And it's basically, it comes down to st- stuff like that. And if Marvel is pretty much like the, I, I get that it's in your face. And I'm going to go back to Richard's uh, statement there because I do agree. Um I, I still think we're pretty good, right? Like, it's not like everything's like an RNG card, you know? Like, like Hearthstone's almost like every other card is an RNG card, and it, it gets a little obnoxious uh, sometimes where it's like, how am, I, like, how am I supposed to win when, like, the game is literally out of my hands? Well, we've been trending towards more RNG, though, right? Like, Collected uh, Company, Etherworks Marvel. If you go five years of. back, I don't think there was a single card like this, right? I think that's my concern it's not that i'm against marvel and i think marvel is actually pretty entertaining kind of in the way that miracles are entertaining you get this great uh the kibler moment where bonfire is top decked and that wouldn't happen without this very high variance mechanic so i think marvel's okay but as a general trend for the game to be becoming more and more based on variance that is what kind of scares me. So if we keep seeing more and more Marvel cards, I'm going to be a little bit concerned because that's, like I said, that's what turns me off to games like Hearthstone is such an extreme level of variance. So by itself, Marvel is probably fine. But as a trend in Magic, trying to become more random to maybe imitate Hearthstone, that's a little scary to me. Well, what about him to Torak? <laughs> I mean, what about I, like, I know Dragon this Storm because I've been playing a lot of him lately and uh, my friend gets salty when, uh, you know, two lands get hit and he basically got double <laughs> stone ranged and I'm like, well, RNG, <laughs> like, is, is him to Turok there's, it, too, it always, too much RNG? It always feels like there's, well, I mean, that's a really old and <laughs> well, I mean, really, really powerful card. That RNG has been around for a yeah, while. It, we had discard it, it random, has. right? I mean, I just don't feel like it's super RNG when they when they put in a card like collect when they print a card like Collected Company in Marvel and like that's like pretty much the only card we have to worry about. I mean, it goes far back. I mean, I just uh, you look at like Ignite Memories and Dragon. You know, that was we saw like on the biggest stage a huge like six cast Ignite Memories whiff, like basically like almost statistically impossible. And you know, it, there's always been like that kind of deck. I mean, there's still decks like that in Modern. You look at, like, Gorio's Vengeance. Oh, did I draw, like, the hand I need? Oh, I guess I lose. So th- there's always that kind of variance. But I do think it goes back to what Richard said. And, again, it's just, like, kind of in your face. And, yeah, you don't want to lose to return for Uamai. But I do think it averages out at the end of the, at the, end of the day. But, so how long do you think we have flowing kip, uh, coin flips and die roll for damage? Like, <laughs> when this creature becomes block, flip a coin. If heads, it deals two more. If tails... Nothing. I, I don't. I wouldn't like that. I think they got really away from coin flipping stuff. I, I think the, it's gonna come. I think it, it's really? coming. I mean, we're 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 at the point where we need to split a card into two and turn it sideways <laughs> for new mechanics. <laughs> You're telling think, me there's not gonna be a creature where you just roll like a d6 and like it does something based on that roll. I think the one thing that'll save magic from that is just it's it's cumbersome to actually do like, I think that's the problem with rolling dice and coin flips. Is it like shuffling your deck and fetch lands? It just like slows down the game and isn't especially good for playing a game of magic. So I think that's why we probably won't get a ton of that. It's like, we'll get Marvel type stuff, but that isn't the same sort of uh, problems as physically flipping coins or rolling dice or stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming up on 25 years of magic design. Like, I think they're going to run out soon, and we're going to start resorting to some of these stranger interactions. That's probably all right. Um, any other final thoughts on the pro tour? Well, what do you, what do you guys think of the zombies deck? Oh, is it a real deck? Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard for real. me to. Yeah, I think I think it's real only because it just it's it's really resilient. Like, yeah, it probably doesn't have. Uh, as good of a matchup against Marvel as we saw like on screen. I think there was a little bit of uh, variance uh, and, and luck involved. But uh, it, it's definitely real. Uh, it's really strong. I mean, how do you beat it 
flyers fumigates because it's so grindy and it goes so wide like it, it crushes marty vehicles so i don't think you can play low to the ground creatures to beat it so it seems like you gotta have sweepers or moats or something like how do you how do you stop this relentless assault of uh two two zombies uh i mean we do have graveyard hate so you can you can sideboard like scarab feast or something like that if you're really concerned about ending that i think i mean the big ones i could imagine like the blue red control deck probably being pretty good if you get four magma sprays you get access to sweepers like sweltering suns so i think uh, you get to flash that stuff back potentially with torrential gear hulk so i think that that is where i would immediately look beyond just like turn fouring and ulamog which is <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the answer to beating about any deck i guess turn, before turn that. four chandra flame caller i guess we'll do it yeah is uh brutal against this deck but i think you're right you're not gonna like outgrind it with an aggro deck that's that doesn't seem likely and that leads to another interesting question what do you think about mardu coming out of the pro tour like looking at this meta where it didn't seem good against marvel didn't seem great against zombies is is mardu the the monster of the format going into the pro tour is it dead is it lower tier one is it tier two where's mardu now i don't think it's dead but i i think it's just like uh like it's still gonna remain a good deck but it's just not going to be the monster that we saw like it's not going to be the 35 percent, you know 40 percent deck list anymore i think it got kind of kicked down a few notches i mean yeah so it's like i, I think it it's a little weird because it, it should have a pretty good game uh with heart of kieran but uh, when you're like dark salvationing and you just get a, so many zombies so quickly, I, I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, don't think you can beat zombies. No, uh, like add its deck, but I think you can just tweak it. You can do Mardu Splash Blue for ceremonious rejection, yeah. uh, like people used to do to beat Etherworks or just a threaten effect. Just take the Ulamog and beat them with it. Uh, so I think it can beat Etherworks quite easily if it wanted to. But uh, I don't know, maybe play more Avacins or something. Like, I don't know how you beat the zombie horde. Like, you gotta like fly over the zombies. You can't beat them on the ground. And uh, your Gideon, you know, while making one night token is cool, like zombies is making multiple tokens every turn. So it's kind of hard to keep up with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably going to where Seth uh, uh, said right from the beginning, too. I, I think those blue red controllists are probably the best chance uh, being a little bit more tweaked. I mean, you have so many different ways maybe jess guy i mean you still have now you have like fumigate you have sweltering suns you have torrential gear hulk um you can't just one for one them with like harness lightnings and stuff um but i mean when you're when you have like four magma spray you have essence scatter you have uh sensor i mean sensor uh, kind of gets but you have negates for the liliana's masteries i mean i think a tuned blue red list it didn't look good at the pro tour but i think it still has to develop or new perspectives. New perspectives as well. It doesn't really care that you make like 10 zombie tokens. It's pretty much they just combo. <laughs> um, the other deck I, I thought... Maybe it just didn't do so well. I, I don't know really what happened with that. Maybe it's just kind of didn't do well in the the draft portion. But the, the black-white control list actually was pretty interesting. And so was the uh, Cryptolith right deck, because they just kind of regurgitate a lot of creatures out on the battlefield, too. And, um, you know, maybe that's kind of how you have to, you just have to play a lot of creatures, and then they, they also have uh, Heart of Kieran as well. Or was that the energy list? I think that was the energy list. I think the black-white control list was just not heavily played. Like, I don't think it performed yeah. poorly. It actually had one of the better win percentages out of the fringe decks, but I think, like, one player was on it or something, so there's yeah. just, like, a non-existent sample size. I mean, it plays yep. four cast-outs, so you can actually get rid of Ulabog. I mean, really, like, black and white are very good colors for dealing with Marvel. Anguish and making cast-outs, uh, Transgress the Mind, Dispossess, uh, Lost Legacy. You have a ton of great sideboard cards for that matchup. Did you guys pick up uh, the fact that Lost Legacy is bad against Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. The Jerry Thompson's the... testing team was like, yeah, we're not playing Lost Legacy because it's not good against Marvel. And I'm like, well, why is it Why is it in oh. the 75 then? What is it for? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wonder if... It should have been uh, Dispossess, right? 
that was my thought, and then I had some pros on Twitter say that. that they they didn't think so, and they thought Lost Legacy was better. I, I think it. I think the whole plan is just to go around the Marvel, so you don't want to waste the card trying to get rid of the Marvel. Like you're just gonna make a billion zombies and let them cast their Ulamog. The reason yeah. I like dispossesses is it also gets torrential, which is like that can be a problem too. Like flashing back magma sprays and wrasse and stuff. Yeah, I, I do think uh, we'll see some uh, some more tweaks to these decklists. I, I don't think um, I don't think it's just gonna be zombies and Marvel from here on out. But I, I could be really wrong. <laughs> T- time for that standard angel deck. <laughs> yeah. what, other chi- what other tribes do we have here? Well, it's, what was that? Uh, what was that, Seth? One of a kind deck list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that's standard legal. Oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. Do we want to talk about fish mails or anything else, really quick? Uh, no. I still think I had a I, overall. Just to put a stamp on it, I, I thought it was really well. I mean, there was some. Sometimes, you know, we get caught up in, like, oh, what's the deck? What's the deck? Like, what's doing well? Oh, my God. Like, it's the standard's ruined. But if you really, like, just actually watch the tournament, and I actually got to watch uh, a, a decent amount of it, uh, a good amount of it, actually, over the weekend, um, you sort of just miss, like, some of the little moments, you know? And, and, and big shout-out to Calcano. I mean, there was a lot of just emotional moments. There were some funny moments. There was, like, emotional moments. And, and, and you, you just kind of lose track of that when you're just worried about, like, what's doing well, what's doing well, like, what's the best deck, and and I just thought, for for some reason, this felt a lot better than the last couple Pro Tours, for some reason. I don't know. Alright, let's go to Fishmail. Uh, if you have questions, send them to Goldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, from Christine ABF, do the four-color commanders fit the flavor better if you look at the one color they don't have instead of the four that they do. Um, yes. I mean, that's the only way I can identify them anyway. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> color that they're missing, because otherwise you have to list four colors. So, we'll so yeah, they, a lot of people call them like null red or null white or whatever. Hmm. But I, I usually just use the real names, because even then I'm like, who's, who's the commander that's missing white? Do you guys know off the top of your head? No, I don't nope. know off the top of my head. It's pretty hard to remember. You got to like sit there and like slowly work it out. So I actually just use their, their real names. Yeah, yeah that, but that's four easy. colors is tough. Uh, next question from Pierre Sanctus. A hot topic at my local game store was mana weaving before shuffling. Is it okay to do or just avoid altogether? I thought um I thought this topic came up a while back and there was like deck manipulation. Yeah, I mean if it if it's actually doing something, yeah. then you're cheating because you're not yeah. sufficiently randomizing your deck. Yeah, don't don't mana weave. No, yeah, don't do that. Because <laughs> it's either there's no point or you're just actually cheating. Because if you shuffle correctly, then your mana weaving will not matter. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. And it's probably best just not to do it because of appearances. Like you'll have people who will think you're cheating, even if you're not cheating or not intending to cheat if you do it. So it's best just to avoid it altogether and make sure you shuffle well without pile or uh, without mana weaving. All right, next question from Plant Trek 7. Ixalan makes me think of Knights of the Round Table for some reason. If that were what it was, what kind of card do you want in this set? Uh, probably some the rest of the sword It makes cycle. me think of Final Fantasy 7 when you say Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think like two-minute uninterruptible cutscene as you do a ton of damage. Go make a sandwich, <laughs> come back, it's still going on. Oh, I, I, I actually don't even know what I would want. Crew, um, you need to assemble the, all the knights into some Voltron-y thing. <laughs> yeah, or like, uh, I don't know. It I makes you think, think of even allies like some or something. Yeah, it kind of does. I don't know if I really would want <laughs> a knight-based... Uh, don't you want all your grizzly bears having first strike? Because <laughs> I do. Yeah, that seems like a little much... I would actually like a knight set, and uh, we can use that to bring Elspeth back from the dead. Oh, it's like perfect. Ooh. That would be. Oh. I'd be down with more Elspeth. I always liked Elspeth as a character. I, I wanted Planeswalker that makes knight tokens with first strike. <laughs> it's probably too overpowered, but like two two first strikers. Uh, that would be really good. Yeah, 
No, you don't like it. Really like, good. Maybe it's I, a negative. Uh, ability. Use five to block your Ulamog. <laughs> uh, but Ulamog's indestructible. This is no good. And we get the first crank, so. but we still all die, so it's no good. <laughs> yeah, Addy Mills twenty anyway, so this isn't gonna this isn't gonna go well. Uh, Shanderson ninety three. Have you ever been misled in a trade? How did you handle it? What is the best way to avoid that from happening? Um, I think it's really hard to be misled these days. If I, I mean, if unless you don't have a phone, I mean, everyone just has phones these days. And um, I wouldn't. Uh, if it happened to you, I apologize. But 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 for future reference, like just just use like any app as long as both parties agree. It really doesn't matter what app you use. Um, but yeah, I, I think just now with information and being on your phones and everything, it's it's really hard to uh, come away. Uh, with a lopsided trade as far as handling it i don't know if there's i mean i guess it's very dependent on the situation but if it's like you were kind of deceived about the value of the cards or something i don't know if there's really a whole lot you can do about that except uh learning from the experience and kind of arming yourself with knowledge so it doesn't happen again i mean you can talk to the lgs owner because if you have someone like sitting around ripping off kids all day, like that's not really a cool environment. So that's something the LGS owner could actually address. Yeah, there's that situation. If someone's legitimately like trading fakes, um, and then you realize it after the fact, I would just tell the LGS owner anyway. I don't know what happens after that, but um... uh, with with fakes, you can also. I actually had. I it wasn't a trade, but I was buying a collection and kind of oh, got this. ripped off with fake cards. Uh, and that was, I mean, I guess my lesson from that situation was uh, to not get complacent. It was someone that I had dealt with multiple times before, so I just didn't really do my due diligence on the cards. I just assumed, since I knew the person, that it would be cool. Uh, so I, that's what I learned from that. But I also learned that with fakes in specific, you can report them to wizards. And while they won't inform you of what they're doing, they do actually try to take fakes seriously and not have people selling them. All right, next question from PJ Dykler. I know you hate playing Tron, Seth, but what green? But what is green? Wait, is green, white, or green, black Tron better in modern? Wait, there's a green, black Tron deck. There is. There is I'm, a green, I'm black one now. Totally out of the loop. What? What? What is the? What does the black do for you? Uh. Not much. It's mostly utility type cards. Like you get stuff like abrupt decay and uh, whatnot that you wouldn't have in green red. But there's no real like, I don't know. It's not like you're playing Nicole Bolas or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know if it really makes a difference. It probably is more what you're comfortable with. They're both kind of similar in where they fall into the format at the moment. Like the big Tron deck is Eldrazi Tron, and then you have green red green black and green white which are all like fairly interchangeable and probably uh mostly dependent on like the meta i guess like it, depending on what you're trying to fight against black gives you discard white gives you path to exile red is like pyroclasm type sweepers so i guess pick what uh what of those cards is most important in your local meta and go that direction yeah, I like the the black green version. I, I think collective brutality is just a, a really absurd card. And um, if you're telling me you can play Tron with collective brutality, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm still out of the loop. I haven't seen this green black yeah, list. It's, it's like collective brutality, after. and and most of the other stuffs like in your sideboard. You have like uh, fatal push, duress. Uh, that's pretty much it, actually. Interesting. And collective brutality. All right, Ruben Covington. Do you guys ever look at custom magic cards slash sets? Not really. Um, I, I know there's some really uh, cool ones. There's like really funny ones. Um, I know, like uh, the bo- the booze cube like got really uh, popular. I-, I know there's like some some cool ones, but I don't I don't really look at them all too often. I see some that come across social media, but I don't, uh, I know there's like forums for that. I think on Reddit and MTG uh, salvation and su- uh, such, and I don't really frequent those subreddits and specifically look them out. Yeah. I don't look at custom cards. I sometimes look at altars altars. I find more interesting, but, uh, custom cards. I know nothing about design, so I can't really, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this, this will play really well in limited. Like I cannot, I have no idea. I might look at like, Oh, you know, here's a star Wars set. You know, that was cool. But 
other than that, I don't really look too deep into these. Uh, next question from Random Dark Rider. In honor of your new shirt, what is the best way to cast Cruel Ultimatum in Modern? Spellweaver Helix, Living Lore. I mean, I, I would probably just play Grixis Control and try to slow down the game. I think that's the most competitive way. But if you want to do against the odd style, I think both of those are somewhat reasonable options. Probably Spellweaver Helix more so than Living Lore, just because it, it dies and you get blown out. You actually got to attack with it. So, uh, But I think just playing Grixis Control would be the easiest way to Cruel Ultimatum. Yeah, I've been trying to get this to work for a while, but I... I... It's just not a good card. <laughs> That's my conclusion. It's like, oh, you play this and it gets remanded or cryptic commanded. You're going to be so sad. But I, I've always wanted to play Cruel Ultimatum, and I'll do it one day. And I'll take a picture when I successfully cast it, and it actually wins me the game. But I think <laughs> it's just not a really good finisher. I think it was good in the glory days of Magic, but nowadays, uh, spending that much mana on a finisher is going to be tough. I think I'd rather just cast Sphinx's Revelation. Uh, next question, Amri Lowe. This is for Seth. What advice would you give for someone wanting to start a budget-focused MTG Twitch channel? Oh, geez. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I know for me, one big thing is just to be consistent. I think that's one of the most important things is to, as much as you can, uh, try to develop some sort of schedule so people know when you're there and make it a point of being there when you say you're going to be there. Because it's going to take a while to to build up your audience and making sure people know when you're going to be there and sticking to it, I think is a big part of that in uh, generating that audience and that community. So I think that's the biggest thing uh, as far as being budget focused. I don't know if that's, I have any specific tips for that other than to warn you that uh, there's not really consensus over what is budget. So you will get endless comments, uh, no matter what price range your deck is in, that it's too expensive or too cheap or too whatever, because no one can seem to agree on what counts as budget. And it's dependent on the person. It's uh, very subjective. All right. Next question from Mass Forte. When should we see peak prices for card spikes after Pro Tour Amonkhet? I have some zombies slash Marvel staples looking to sell. Um... I would definitely be selling the zombie stuff. I don't really see how much more, like how much more they can increase at this point. Um, Marvel's a little tricky because it's just in standard for so much. Like it's in standard for a long time, um, but we've seen it like come in and out of favor when you know people are playing it. It's like a ten to fifteen dollar card. When people aren't playing it, it gets down to you know decreases to about five bucks. But I think that's just kind of one that. Uh, if you're if you're definitely not going to play it, I would sell that too because it's it's pretty inflated as well. Yeah, usually right after the pro tour is the peak of the spike, yeah. and then as the weeks go by, things kind of trend back down. Oh, it feels like we talk about zombies literally like <laughs> <laughs> every single standard we talk about zombies. Oh man, so funny. Next question from at mean mean pork. Imagine a blue sorcery that says Scry Ten. Is it playable and how much does it have to cost to be playable in modern? Ooh. Uh, well, index is one for five, isn't it? That's pretty much like scry five. Is it literally just scry but five? But you don't get to... You just you don't get, get to draw, draw, right? You just get a scry. Yeah. And you uh, No, you don't even scry because you can't put cards on the bottom. Like You, you have to keep the oh, five man. cards on top. Index is a lot worse than I remember. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> pretty bad. Um, pretty bad. Maybe, okay. Uh, yes, I think it's playable. It's probably playable. I don't think it can be more than two, though. And then I think combo decks could use it almost like, oh, geez. What's the ad nauseum card that makes you lose life that always finds the right combo piece? Uh, I can't think of the name of it. One mana uh, black spell. Spoils, spoils of the Vault? Spoils yeah, you could use vault. it like, yeah. yeah, use it like a Spoils of the Vault if it was one or two mana. Or Tainted maybe. Pact? Yeah, Tainted Pact. Tainted Pact, yeah. You know, I got, talking about Tainted Pact, I... That card is ridiculous in, in Commander. I know it's like way off topic, but that card is ridiculous. Whew. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think you have Tainted Pack. I, I <laughs> did a this or that magic with Tomer, and uh, the decks were all singleton, and he played Demonic Collusion. Uh, I don't know if you're oh, familiar with that card. Uh, is it like it's, oh, okay. It's, uh, it's three and two, two black. Oh, wait, no, maybe I said it wrong. Am I right on consultation? That? No, it's a oh, one-mana black spell. Maybe no, it's Consultation. It. Oh, no, but I got it wrong. You, you name a card, and then you okay. exile the top six cards of your library and find that card, basically. 
So, so Torment Name Damnation to stay in the game. Unfortunately, we're playing Singleton deck, so it was in his top six cards. So it just exiled his entire library. So as oh. good as as good as Tainted Pack might be in Commander, do not play Demonic Consultation in Commander. Even though it looks really sweet, it will just kill you sometimes. Oh. <laughs> good to know. All right, so where do we land on Scry Ten? How much mana? Uh, two. two, two max, one or yeah. two. Definitely can't be one. Would you play it for one? Is one too good? One's definitely too good. It doesn't even cantrip though. But it's like a tutor that it's like a Marvel tutor. It whiffs like twenty five percent of the time or something. Uh, Ten cards is pretty deep. I don't know. It just seems so easy. Ten cards is probably like a fifth of your library. Fifth. Well, yeah. So there's like a twenty percent chance. Well, I guess you have four copies of whatever you're looking for, so the odds are actually much higher. It seems, yeah, you're like a little under 50-50, I think, mm-hmm. like 40-something, which seems like it would work in, like, Scapeshift or something. Like, what's, some sort of combo deck like that. the cheapest tutor we have in, in Modern right now? The cheapest tutor? Yeah, like, conditional uh... tutor or whatever. Like, some kind of tutor, like, enlightened tutor-ish type cards would work. Like, what's the cheapest tutor? I mean, I think two is as cheap as it gets, and then you got major restrictions like Merchant Scroll or uh, Dark Petition yeah. needing needing Smell Mastery and so forth. Mm. Wait, what? What's a two? What's a two mana tutor? Uh, a I think tutor. That's three that's mana. What is, What does that get? Enchantment. Uh, uh, Merchant Scroll is two mana, and it gets a blue in, in, sorcery. In blue oh, is it sorcery? That was instant. Yeah. I believe it's sorcery. Is oh wait, mystical sorcery? teachings. No, that's like. That's no. like four. Four. Yeah. And gets an instant. I, I guess like three mana. Three mana, you get like Fabricate gets an artifact. Idyllic Tutor gets an enchantment. Like that's kind of, I guess, the going yeah. rate. For then, then I put this at two, then. Maybe two or one. No, Richard's right. It gets an instant card. Oh. Merchant Scroll. That's better it's, than I thought. It, it is a sor- it's a sorcery, but it gets an instant. Yeah, it's used in High Tide. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the best one. Yeah, I don't sort know. Of. Two mana, blue, blue, one blue. I don't think it'd be that good. Like, who who wants to spend all this du- time? Double, it'll it'll make some crack. combo decks better, but isn't glittering wish like that's pretty good too, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, kind of multicolored. Yeah. Yeah. And from your sideboard, yeah, hey, that's all. I, it is too. It's green white, yeah. I believe. I'm oh. I'm trying here. I I don't think we have many. Uh, Diabolic Tutor is not in modern. What's the, uh, we don't have many in modern. What's the black one? Um, the the Gear Tutor? Like, no. It's two mana. It's uh, played in Storm decks. You gotta get... Uh, you oh, gotta have no cards in your what? hand. Uh, what is oh. it? Infernal Tutor? Infernal Tutor. No. Yeah, from Dissension. Infernal That's modern tutor. legal? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's two mana, but you gotta be hellbound has- for it to really yeah. tutor. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. That's probably the best one. I've actually lost to that card so many times when they were not hellbent. <laughs> you just get a card in your hand. I'm like, you can do that? Oh my god. <laughs> Stupid card. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question from Luca Scanu. Uh, what advice would you give to someone attending their first Grand Prix ever, specifically modern? Uh, Pack a sandwich. Yeah. And water. And water. You're, you're going for a marathon, not F and M. Like take yeah. F and M and multiply it by three, and that's your that's your day one. And there's no bathroom breaks. There's nothing. So if it's your I first, haven't... I'd actually play like a fast deck. Like you want to play fast deck, so you actually have time between rounds to uh, unwind, eat lunch, go to the bathroom. Do not play, uh, you know, the former miracles or something. Where you <laughs> literally play twelve hours of magic straight. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's more just like general life stuff. Like, I I pack light. Like, don't I wouldn't bring like a huge backpack. I wouldn't leave stuff in your car. Uh, you know, just general little stuff like that. Yeah, I've been to a GP in a long time. Very keep long an time. eye on on your stuff. Yeah, don't, don't leave your cards sitting somewhere uh, and walk away or something. Yeah, definitely not. Um. Yeah, I mean, other than that, just play Magic. I mean, you're in for a long day. And that's that's if you day two. Like, even if you don't, you're still going to have to play a considerable amount of Magic unless you're, like, 0-3 at that point. But and then it's up to you. 
I mean, and have fun. Like, have realistic yeah. expectations. It's your first GP. There's going to be a lot of really good players in the room. Like, go into it with the expectation that you're going to go and have a really, like, unique experience if you've never been to a GP before. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to play a lot of magic. But don't get caught up on, like, oh, it's a, I got to make day two. Or, oh, I got to do whatever. Because that's that might not be realistic at your first GP. So, like, soak in the experience of the GP. And don't worry so much about the competitive aspect for your first one. Yeah, and if you're not worrying about that, it, it certainly could happen. I mean, you just take every match, you know, as it comes. Like, don't even worry about it. Um, if it happens, it happens. Great. I mean, there's been certainly many stories of people day twoing their first GP. Speaking of GPs, what was the last GP you guys have been to? Oh, I think the last uh, one for me was Vegas Modern Masters 2017 or 20. Mine? No, not 2017. What was the other 2015. Modern Masters 2, I think, was the last Grand Prix I went to. Uh, mine was like GP New Jersey and like 2010 or something like that. I don't know. 2010? Yeah. There was not like, there was maybe, I don't know, maybe less than a thousand people. I, I, and you're not going to believe this, I have never went to a GP. They, wow. they didn't have GPs after Theros, Seth. <laughs> oh. oh, who was it? Oh, no. who, was it? who was that Lingering Souls player that was uh, near the top? Donald Smith, was it? Oh, he yeah. Was like, he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I started playing I, during Theros. I started laughing <laughs> so hard. You could do it, too. I started laughing so hard. I'm like, that literally could be Seth. No, no. no I've just, just never kidding. been to a Grand Prix. And to be never, fair, he's I've in the never, middle of nowhere in New York. I do get where he's coming from. But it's, New York it's has some Grand Prix. Yeah, I, nowhere near where he is. I mean, that's that's part of it. It's not like I have GPs an hour away that I just I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm oh, not going to go to that. Really? You got to go but, to at least one before you become jaded and tired like me. Like, I, I, I literally <laughs> cannot play 10 hours of Magic anymore. It's like four rounds in, I'm like, yep, I'm done. I, so, I think you'll still gonna go be to here this. for six more hours. Uh, <laughs> not going to work out. There, you'll go to this Vegas, don't won't you? I just doubt you'll play in the main event. The main thing for me has been, I just like, I've always been primarily a moto player when I play competitively. I've never really done the competitive scene in paper. I play casually with friends and like sometimes at local game stores, more so in the past, but I've never like done the tournament thing in paper on any level. So I think that's, I've never made it a priority to go to big events like that. It's probably a good idea. Uh, too old for this it really really, I mean again we're all kind of older and jaded but it really uh, wears on you fast it's like a literal marathon like yeah you think you play a lot of magic until you actually sit down at a Grand Prix and play for 10 hours you're like I don't want to do this anymore ever again (laughs) actually you could even see it on some of the pros faces like by the 16th round of the pro tour I think it was like uh, Gerard Fabiano, he just looked so drained, like he's kind of just like so out of it. So I think like it's a long day, like you don't realize how long that is. And I'm not speaking from experience, obviously, but I watch enough tournaments to know, like, I don't know, there's got to be a cutoff. Like when you guys do GPs more than me, when does it stop becoming fun? Like how many rounds in are you like, oh, I got to play another round? Please, like, can I just lose so I can drop and go get dinner? Like what round does that happen? Five. <laughs> I, I, that's I mean, legit been, like exactly yeah. like, like four rounds is like good for me even then <laughs> i like fnm to be three rounds actually but it just I, I, gets really I, long i play i was playing affinity and it was like around round five and i just lost and i was two and three and i was like do i really just want to keep doing this for the rest <laughs> of the day <laughs> and i'm just like nah i'm all right i'll just drop uh, it's even worse when you go to like a a vacation spot. Like I can't imagine going to the pro tour, being in Hawaii, and like sitting in a convention for like two days straight. It it's uh it might be preferable to O four drop or something just to go yeah. out and enjoy the venue. But yeah, there's a yeah. lot of people at GPS now, and the rounds are like there's just so many rounds, and I'm just like oh my god, I can't. It's really long. It's, it's really long. Crazy. But you should go at least once, Seth. Yeah, you, you, you need to experience. You just do side events. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I will. It's on my, it's on my MTG bucket list. All right. 
All right, so uh, what's the closest one? Brantford, New Jersey? Is that the yeah. closest one? Or is Toronto close? How far are you from, like, I'm kind of like... I think he's actually closer to you Toronto. You might be closer to Toronto. I think I'm roughly equal distance from, like, New York, uh, Toronto, Boston. Like, I could go to any of those and it wouldn't be that. Maybe, like, actually Pittsburgh is might be closest to me. Really? What? Yeah. I need oh, a map yeah, of the U.S. Like, what? How can you be so close I, to yeah, like, no New York, Boston, and Pittsburgh? How does this work? Because he's like, it's like he's at that point where he's like dead center in New York, but like really far up. I'm like so four. Could, I think I'm like four yeah. hours from like every meaningful place. Four to well, five. That means hours. You can you can grind so many Grand Prix then, Seth. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> But then you then you wouldn't have instant deck techs and budget magics if That's I was true. gone at all weekends playing GPs. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how grinders do it. Not only do they play like the entire weekend of magic, they gotta fly or drive to like every single one I of just, these places. I can't do places. that driving. And I just the, can't do it. The other thing for me is like I could do it and it would be fun and I'll do it as an experience. But like the financial aspects, I think if you're not serious about grinding to the pro tour, it's just like a lot of money to spend with. Yep. Like no real end game in sight. Like if you're trying to get pro points and stuff, I get it. But otherwise, I think you just got to like do it once in a while as a vacation or like a weekend getaway type thing and treat it like yeah. that. I don't think it's even worth it for like platinum pros and stuff. <laughs> like even if you are getting paid yeah. to show up, I don't think it's worth it. You're doing it for fun and love of the game as opposed to uh, financial value. It would really help if you had buys. I can I can say that for sure because well, you gotta, you gr- to you gotta grind like, those GPTs. As yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather grind those and show up with a with a uh, couple buys than just show up at the GP. Like here I am, I'm just gonna start round one. Yeah, if you if you, you start with three like buys, you only hours. need like four wins or something to get day two. Yeah, see, it's like fifty percent win rate to get day two. So the, the buys actually give you a pretty big advantage. Very good advantage. I mean, you look at the equation. You're like, let's see, I could drive five hours each way. Uh, spend money on a room in the event and all that stuff, or I can just like stay home and play Moto. Like what? what? <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> which mean, one of those will I choose? I I literally there the, the most recent. I think we actually talked about this. Seth. there was like GP in New Jersey, and everyone's like, "Oh, come on, come on, let's go!" And I was like, "Yeah," and then I was like, "I'm gonna drive like two and a half, like three hours. Got to go over the GW, which is like fifteen bucks by itself, uh, both ways." Um, and then, I mean, I guess I could sleep in my car and like, <laughs> what? wait, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, you know, I don't want to spend like $250, like before I even get there. It's awful. And then you know? pay $100 to enter the Grand Prix. Yeah. I don't want to spend like 250 bucks before I even walk into the, uh, the event and then hand over like 75 to 100 bucks for the, just the tournament. Like, but oh, you get a God. you get a playmat though, Chaz. I have a lot of playmats. I don't I don't need any more playmats. Don't think I'm good. I'm good on that. I don't need dice. I don't need a water bottle. I don't need... <laughs> Wait, they give out water bottles now. I haven't yeah. been in a while. They, they've well, gone full. I I actually talked with you know C CFB is actually trying to do like the bare minimum entry. But they're trying to bring that back, so hopefully that happens soon. That, there should uh, be that... an option where you pay like ten bucks and forfeit all prize money. Ooh, like mm. they're never gonna do it because they're not gonna make any money like that. But basically, I, like even if I win the thing, like don't pay me anything. I'll just pay you ten bucks so I can play. Like that's <laughs> it, right? Like yeah. So it's like either that or I could go play Commander Knight for like five bucks. I'm like uh, pretty much gonna go play Commander Knight. Yep, uh, that's where I landed. So that wraps up goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> that wraps up the goldfish guys. We're underwear now. We've done the Grand Prix grind. Hey, we got one v one. We got one v one results. I'm so happy. This is have super. You, have cool. you seen the one v one results? I have. They look. They look like. I don't know like if this is just because like the partner <laughs> stuff. Like the, I think uh, Seth, you were telling me like the Commander 2016 stuff's like a little inflated and like you can't really get it in conventional ways so it's actually looked like the 1v1 commander before partners actually started like taking over anything which actually was interesting now that you mention it i actually did a couple of well two i think commander leagues i actually tried them they're pretty sweet i played awesome uh brawl polymorph which is like a known tier deck and 
my experience is there's a polymorph. I don't even know the name of it. It's from one of the commander sets. It exiles all your creatures, and at your next end step, you basically polymorph and get creatures from your deck. Yeah. Uh, so I, I cast that to get my one creature, Emrakul, and win the game. And it was bugged, and I lost, and I filed comp, <laughs> and that was my, my commander league. <laughs> oh, my God. This is why you don't play weird commander cards. So oh, you, you play Tassiger and basically play Legacy Bug. <laughs> Yeah. And uh yeah, you you play Jason Lily cards that are you, known to work. Yeah. You should do if you're going to play a deck like that Seth next time, uh you could just do like Vrin's Prodigy High Tide and you probably won't bug out. <laughs> There's a lot of people playing mono red and the deck actually puts up results. So if you want like a yeah, Zergo mono yeah. red like burn. So yep. if you want a cheap budget deck to grind with, like that one seems pretty cheap. I didn't see and, any yeah, expensive cards cheap, in that list. It's cheap and good. Like, yeah, it's it's competitive. <laughs> yeah, oh wow, it's, it's only a hundred really checks online. Yeah, and but it's it, like it, really good. It hasn't put up that many results though. It, Not it that has we have many results. Partners, but yeah, we have two. We have two Zergo deck lists, six Tassiger deck lists. Nice. Yep. Oh, I didn't even Tassiger see the new is a two thousand dollar deck in paper. Ooh, <laughs> five hundred, no, six hundred okay online. Oh, I mean, it's basically legacy. Bug, maybe bug control in Legacy is what Tassiger is. Yeah, so there you have it. You have bug uh, in Legacy. You pretty much got this deck. You actually pretty much do. <laughs> <laughs> like if you actually look at the cards, that's why I'm like, this is not really Commander. This is Legacy Light. Yeah, it's still really fun. I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm gonna try it. I'm yeah, gonna, you I'm should gonna play some Tassiger. It's it's Sweet. also yeah. it's also worth noting they're one game matches, which makes it go by really fast. That's why I could kind of like do a couple of them. Is the whole league was like an hour. So, oh, really? so do you do you find the variance? A, it's Singleton, and B, it's one game. Is it much worse than the normal? Yeah, hmm. I mean, yes. Some mulligans suck because you lose the entire round if you multiply or multiform. But I, I, it felt like the trade-off was actually pretty reasonable for Commander, especially when they don't have sideboards. So what's the point in playing right. Best of Three anyway? So, so I was actually happy with it. The only thing I noticed is the round timer is still really long. I think like a normal three game match, they give you 25 minutes. And for this, it was 20 minutes. So if you run into a slow player, it feels really slow because the clock is uh, proportionately way longer than it is for standard or modern or, or anything. Mm. But I thought it was fun. Give it a shot. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. You go three, two, you get a treasure chest, you break even not that hard to do. So sweet. Yeah, Richard, try it out. Tell us how it goes. If you do any more, uh, Seth, uh, let us know how it goes. Yeah, I'm sure I'll record one or stream one at some point, just because it's sure. interesting. We should do a one v one commander like breakdown. That would be that would be sweet. Yeah, yep. we definitely should. Yeah. All right, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for the podcast. We kind of rambled there. Sorry, <laughs> Richard. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is gonna be the Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you all next time.